You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. This is episode 695 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Ride IQ, and the Murdoch Method. On this week's episode, we have Janet Jones, who is the author of Horse Brain, Human Brain. After that, our favorite monthly guest, Wendy Murdoch, will come on. And then we have a trainer tip provided by Ride IQ. Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Well, hi, Phil. It's nice Welcome to be back. back. Yeah, <laughs> I missed you guys last week. Yeah, we, 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 we held it together. I know. I'm very proud, and I'm really looking forward to listening to the Janet Jones. Um, I always, I was kind of sad. I love hearing our authors of our book club books, um, and I'm I've already started the horse brain, human brain, um, a little bit, which is great. Um, I started it the last couple nights, but I think I'm tired because I I would read a few pages and I woke up. My husband moved the book off my chest. <laughs> he was like, okay. I think well, you that's, need to not, go to that's bed. not good for, for uh, you know, learning retention, anything, you know? No, <laughs> I think I may have to read a little bit more. But uh, yeah, we're, we're just getting off of finals here, uh, which was, it was quite a fun, busy week. I mean, it's always a really, really busy time. And um, obviously the weather was quite a challenge this year. It, it kind of always is, but uh, it was a significant challenge. Phil can tell you guys I'm terrible when it starts to snow. I'm like, I can't function. <laughs> so uh, we were getting ready in the snow and I was, I was channeling my inner Philip Parks um, getting ready, but well, one, was, one, of the, one of the things that helps with that, I think is, uh, you know, uh, a, a small sip of bourbon. <laughs> No, no, I didn't. I, I, I thought about it. <laughs> and I was there and yeah, and I just, I, I didn't have a whole flask, but, but I thought, mm, you know, that just warms the tummy, I suppose. Warms the tummy. Well, that's true. Well, actually when Philip came, my husband and Phil are good friends and they went out and I told them, I was like, I swear if you guys come back with more than a sip of bourbon in your tummy, I'm going to get you guys. <laughs> and, and you were very good because you were coaching. You were very, very responsible. Later, maybe not so much, but but it was good. But I know we missed you this year. Um, I uh, Big Mike was pretty nervous. Uh, the intermediate one day, he was pretty tight. I'm not going to lie. It wasn't our best test. Um, but he was super in the freestyle. I really, you know, when you just have fun and you get to dance with your horse, I did that. And, and my goal was uh, 70%. So we had a 70.7, we had almost a 72 from two judges, which I was thrilled about. I, I don't Fantastic. love the Yeah. Yeah. I Great don't job. love the three judge system um, because the one judge can really affect the score. The one judge was not as, but from the two senior judges, I had almost 72%. So I was really, really excited. Um, and big Mike just really showed up. He was so good and really danced and, you know, you can't, you're always disappointed not to hit the ribbons, but I couldn't be disappointed with him. He was, he was a really good boy. He really tried his heart out for me on Saturday. Uh, and we really had trained more the freestyle this year than we had the technical test. 
So um, it was really a fun time. It is truly a very fun show, you know, and to ride down the center line in the all tech ring, it's very special. And uh, it was Saturday night and uh, oh gosh, all my barn family came and uh, I had people cheering all over the stadium. So it was really special. So I'm glad I was able to do it. And um, so it was just a fun week. I had friends in from all over and, but by Saturday night, you know, I, I took Mikey home. I wanted to get him home before it was dark. So I pulled my trailer up. I was ready to go. And I got a bunch of texts like, are you coming back for the Grand Prix? And I was like, Nope, I'm in my pajamas <laughs> in my bed. <laughs> so I got Mikey home and got that's him settled. Stress- yeah, that's a stressful time. It's yeah, yeah, it's not you know not all about the uh, um, you know hanging out and, and yeah. You know, the the moment it's over, all of that adrenaline <laughs> and everything just yes, you know, yes. So I missed the Grand Prix. System. So I I don't yeah. I don't know what happened. I'm not gonna lie. I was I was in my jammies having uh, a glass of hot glue vine. But I was really happy and it was a just a fun week. And I think everyone really enjoyed it. And I do encourage people um, uh, and, and and we'll have some guests talk about this. Uh, but, you know, to come, if you can, you're going to see, like, for example, if you're going to ride third level, you're going to see 20 of the best third level horses in the country that come and uh, or whatever level you want to go to. Or let's say you want to move up. It's It's a very good time to come and watch it. So I always want to encourage people. They're always, they need volunteers as always like any horse show uh, and the volunteers, they have a really good group and they have a lot of fun. So it was a great horse show. So absolutely encourage everyone to come and uh, maybe next year, big Mike will do the I two and, and we'll get Philip down for, and we'll do a meetup for, for sure. That would be fun. I'm just, I'm projecting it, Phil. I okay. two next right. year you, that you'll you, come you, down. Yeah. You make it to the I two in the, uh... At the, you know, in the national championships, I too, then I, I will come down. I'll be there. Okay, everybody. We heard it. You heard it here. <laughs> I just did a drum roll. Yeah, a horse that we trained, and you've known this this guy since we got him. So it was quite fun. So, yeah, but uh, we have a little break. We have the holiday next week, and then we have convention here. So we actually don't get much of a break. Uh, I'm really lucky that everyone gets to come party at my town again. So, uh so convention will be here in a, in a couple of weeks, which will be great. So uh, we're looking forward to having everybody back. So we've got a great show tonight. Uh, we're going to have this commercial break for Kentucky Performance Products and come back with author Janet Jones. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. Commercial feeds are fortified with nutrients such as proteins, vitamins, and minerals. They are made up of a variety of ingredients that provide a particular amount of energy. Most feeds have been designed to address the needs of a certain type of horse. It is important to understand that all feeds are formulated by nutritionists to be fed in specific amounts. When the correct amount of feed is provided, the horse consumes the appropriate amount of energy and nutrients. The feeding directions included on the feed bag or the feed tag are specific to the particular feed and should be followed. When you feed less than the recommended amount of feed, your horse is not getting the full complement of nutrients that he or she may need. 
On the other hand, too much of a good thing can also be bad. The overfeeding of concentrates can lead to grain overload and oversupplementation, and feeds should never be cut or mixed with other fortified feeds or plain grains because this changes the nutrient profile and can cause imbalances in energy, protein, vitamins, and minerals. If you need to include additional supplements in your horse's diet, choose products that are formulated to complement, not compete with fortified feeds. If you feed a plain grain such as oats, additional fortification may be necessary. Kentucky Performance Products supplements are specifically designed to complement, not compete with the modern concentrates used by today's horse owners. Each supplement is manufactured to exacting standards in certified facilities using stringent quality control guidelines. So choose Kentucky Performance Products supplements because the horse that matters to you matters to them. Learn more about Kentucky Performance Products supplements at kppusa.com. That's kppusa.com. This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com. Well, it is my pleasure today to introduce our book club book author of the month, Janet Jones. She has written Horse Brain, Human Brain. The Neuroscience of Horsemanship. She is a horse trainer. She's also earned her PhD in cognitive science from UCLA. She was a college professor for 23 years, I believe, and uh, she's on the line. Hi, Janet. Hi, Phil. Thank you so much for inviting me today. Well, thank you for coming on. So maybe you can do a little bit of uh, information here about yourself personally, and hopefully I got all of all of your introduction correct, and you can correct me if, if, if any of that was wrong. You did get it correct. I can add a little bit to that. Absolutely. I grew up in a very small horse town, and kids used horses like bikes. So when we wanted to go visit a friend, we hopped on our horse usually bareback, and rode along dirt roads and went and visited our friends. And then and then we and our friends all, you know, hopped on horses and went out and played in the desert and hopped over bushes and <laughs> strange things like that. Um, uh, I started riding lessons when I was seven years old and started competing at 10 and um, qualified for the United States equestrian team jumping program um, when I was 17 and then lived and trained at a very large stable for many years. Uh, We had room for about 70 horses. Most of the time we had 60 horses there And so it gave me this wonderful advantage of being able to work with lots of different horses. And there was also kind of an interesting little quirk that happened at that time in the area where I lived in. Um, This was during the baby boom, and I lived in an area that was um, growing very, very quickly in its population. And so there were not enough schools for all of us kids to, um, to attend school. And so my school went to something that they called double sessions in which you were either assigned to go to school from 6 a.m. until about 11 a.m. or you were assigned to go from 1 o'clock in the afternoon until 6 o'clock in the evening. 
Um, and I ended up just randomly being assigned to the morning time. So what that meant for me was that by 11 o'clock in the morning, I could leave school, head out to the barn, and ride for seven or eight hours. Um, wow. That, and that, I mean, it, I, I, I've never even heard about that it was, <laughs> happening. Yeah. It was yeah, it was just a glitch in the system. You know, it was something that they had to figure out a way to educate so many young people and didn't have the the facility to do it. And so that was what they did. Um, so I have experience working with well over a thousand different horses, and I feel like that has really helped me to get to know horses, to understand, to have a lot of experience with different kinds of problems. And as you say, then I uh, went and got my PhD in cognitive science from UCLA and taught for a long time and then um, opened a small training business of my own uh, after I had lived and trained at this much larger stable for many years when I was younger. So that's kind of my, you know, general background. It's kind of a weird thing in the sense that um, it's uh, it's unusual for someone to have those two interests. My big passions in my life have been brains and horses, and it took me a long time to realize that there was a way to bring those two passions together. Um, and so yeah, that's I mean, kind they're, of what they're, they're connected. the book. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're connected, and, and, and one, one can lead to more success than the other, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. So, so this brings us, this brings us to, to the book, uh, horse brain, human brain. And, uh, what gave you the inspiration and the idea to actually set about, you know, writing this book and, and, and putting the, the, the cognitive science and, and horse training things together. When I opened my own training business, I found that clients kept bringing horses to me saying, um, he won't do this. He won't do that. He's misbehaving. I'm sick of it. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> and, you know. So a little, um, they, a little bit problem children. They were problem children. They really were. And, um, and, and these people needed help. And so... At that point, I had been teaching neuroscience, human neuroscience for a long, long time, and I, and I was really steeped in that area of knowledge. And as I began working with these clients and their horses, I began to notice that most of the problems were not misbehaviors. They were misunderstandings. And people were expecting their horses to behave and think in a similar way that humans do, yeah. uh, which is just not possible given the features of a prey brain. A horse's brain is not just of a different degree compared to our brain, but it's a completely different kind of brain. So I, I, I think um, that sometimes, you know, um, people treat their horses a little bit like children, which are, you know, kind of under underdeveloped humans but yes. they're they're a completely different animal altogether totally different and their brains are not a smaller version or a less powerful version of a human brain 
um, they're just a completely different category uh, of um, brain. And so, um, so what I found was that once I had this insight that maybe a lot of these problems were really just misunderstandings, I began training according to the way that horses' brains work, and I began teaching their owners to do the same thing. And things went much better. The horses were quite happy to cooperate once the expectations were conveyed in a way that horse brains could comprehend. So it was through those very small, early successes that I really began to think, wow, maybe there are other things that I can discover or work on here that would help horses a lot more that have to do with these differences between the equine brain and the human brain and the fact that we are biased to um, perceive and experience the world in one particular way and we're biased to assume that everyone else and even other animals perceive and experience the world like we do. Uh, and that isn't the case uh, at all. So I started kind of experimenting with a lot of this, and I wrote about those experiences in a series of about 20 articles at that time, which really kind of surprised me. Um, they were so well, well received that it looked like the time had come for a book, and it looked like uh, horse people were really genuinely interested in what brain science could offer. Well, I, I think, you know, in, in, in the past, you know, all of the training knowledge and, and ways to train a horse ha, has been passed down basically from person to person to person to person. And if you were lucky yes. enough to get get with a good trainer and be on, the, you know, be in, connected in that way, then you would also have success. It was just um, a trial and error thing. But but now we yes. have um, a more science based approach. People, you know, people have studied the physiology uh, of the brain and, and have done a lot of studies that are maybe not riding training, but the lessons can make, make you know that you can take from a study and apply it to your own training are are relevant right so so yes. i think i think that's that's where you know that's where science can come in and you have evidence to base your training off of exactly and you know part of that is just the timing of all this so we have learned um in human neuroscience we have learned so much about the human brain over the last 25 or 30 years, primarily with the advent of brain imaging um, that really opened up a lot of research avenues for people like me to explore. Um, we still are lagging behind in terms of learning a lot about horses' brains. Um, as you can imagine, it's quite difficult to stick a horse in a brain imaging machine <laughs> yeah, yes, <of> <laughs> and have him stay quiet, you know. Yeah, and still um, and, and all of those things, yeah. All of those things. And so the very first uh, brain image, the first magnetic resonance image that was produced on a horse 
um, actually wasn't done until 2019. And I was writing the book at that time. And so the timing is really good right now to begin to apply what we know um, to horses and horse training and riding uh, and driving. You know, it's relevant to every discipline. If you work with a horse, you need to know something about how that horse's brain operates. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can for sure see that, see that and, and kind of, you know, you don't have to wander around the path of, of trial and error if you can uh, apply some some reasoning behind your your methods right right so maybe you can give us an example of of you know a horse that you trained or a situation in which you applied you know these scientific principles um that had some fantastic success sure um um there have been so many challenges on so many different horses and different levels that it's a little hard to choose, you know, one quick one for a radio show. But I think I, <laughs> I think I have an idea that, that might work. Um, my training life has involved more problem horses than show horses. So um, there are about 25 real life training stories in my book that illustrate a lot of the different concepts that I present there. And one of them is about a a 12-year-old Appaloosa gelding whose owner was someone that I knew. I had known her for quite some time, and I was around her and her horse when she first purchased him and brought him home. Um, He was nervous. He, He was an extremely sensitive horse, and he did tend to be nervous. But during the first two or three years while my friend owned this horse, he became so nervous that he couldn't even stand still in cross ties. And I'm not talking about a horse who wiggles, you know, or dances a little bit in the cross ties. This horse was leaping off of all four feet. He was spinning 180 degrees while he was still fastened to the cross ties. Um, he was shying in multiple directions. If you even just spoke quietly, uh, would fly into a panic if someone picked up a grooming brush. And he had not had these problems when the owner first acquired him. So eventually, um, this person um, asked me to put the horse in full training and um, see if there was something that I could do with him. And I, I really was, I appreciated that very much because I had watched this situation and I had seen um, the owner take this horse to a number of different trainers who had very different approaches than what I would have used to reduce that really early nervousness. Just, you know, it was just a, a fairly normal degree of nervousness and high sensitivity And to reduce that, at the very beginning, his owner took the horse to desensitization programs. Um, Those work for some horses, like super calm quarter horse ponies. Yeah, they they sack them out, out or, you know, that's... uh... Well, and they, they, you know, um, they expose them to all kinds of different scary things. Right. right. Um, and 
the trouble is that those kinds of programs, especially if they're not done um, exactly right, can be detrimental to nervous brains, um, especially in hot-blooded horses who are super sensitive. And I think that's because many of the programs that are not based on science uh, are in, uh, they're flooding the brain. Overstimulating. Um, so the, absolutely. Overstimulating. They are giving the horse a barrage of unsettling, overwhelming information, but never giving the horse time to process it. And they flooded this gelding for hours and hours at a time with scary situations. So by the time he came to me, he had his nervousness had grown exponentially. Um, the, the way I described it to the owner basically was that his brain was fried and that we were going to have to do something um, that might seem very unusual to her to, to change that. So what I did, uh, according to, you know, my own development of brain-based horsemanship is I completely turned back the clock on this horse and I started from square one with catching. And I spent hours working with this horse. Um, people thought I was nuts because the horse was already 12 years old. He already knew how to be caught. His his problems, the, the obvious problems that everyone else saw, had nothing to do with catching or haltering or any of that really basic stuff. But I knew from my own brain work that human exposure was the root of this horse's fear. And I wanted to teach him not just to allow me to catch him or halter him, which he would. I wanted to teach him to approach me. And I wanted him to approach me calmly. I wanted him to be motivated to come to me knowing that I was going to work with him for an hour, knowing that he was going to have to leave his hay and come over here and work. Um, and that's a completely different way of solving a problem like this. And so basically, this horse became a participant in the program rather than a victim by his own choice as well right exactly he came to me by his own choice he didn't have to i didn't have a rope on him he was loose out in a pasture the pasture was probably mm, at least an acre in size maybe it was two acres so i mean you know he i didn't approach him i just waited for him and um and eventually he did come to me and he was motivated to begin and he was curious to try to figure out what was going on. And once he did that, I then worked up from there. I taught him then to be groomed calmly, to be cross-tied and stand completely still, to be tacked up and ridden calmly. And he did all of those things. Um, it took about six months in full training for this horse to accept me and to reduce his anxiety. And it, of course, it took much longer for him to accept his owner or other people. But I was able to work with the owner also uh, during that six-month period to teach her different ways 
of um, handling him and approaching him and giving him the kind of consistency um, and quiet, really, that he needed. So I think that what made the crucial difference was being able to understand that this horse had a prey brain that was completely different from ours. He was extremely sensitive, and throwing scary situations at that prey brain was only making the problem much, much worse. So that would be an example, I think, of one, you know, yeah. one of these um, training situations that worked out pretty well. And like I say, there are a whole bunch of case studies in my book that talk about this sort of thing with all these different horses who I have worked with. I mean, it, it's, it, it sounds very, very good. And, and really, in, in my own life as, as a dressage trainer, I, you know, I can think of so many different horses um, that each had unique problems, right? I think most most yeah. people, you know, ha- have a normal horse and the normal training situation um, can work very well for them, right? And um, but if you have a horse that falls, you know, out of that category, how how can you think about the problem from the horse's perspective? I think that's what I always try and do. Is exactly, uh, you know. Don't apply the the methods that work ninety percent of the time, but ha- have a look at the problem differently from from a different perspective, and uh, try to help the horse. Because I don't, you know, I think we can agree that horses aren't evil, and, and are no, inherently certainly not and evil. They the just have different motivations majority. and different things that that make them tick. And and that's I think as a trainer, I just try to um, fi- find the right tools to approach the the unique problems um, that that are going to help yeah. the horses and help and, and riders right because you know every horse comes with uh, with a with an owner that has their own ambitions you know th- put upon the horse and and you know what they want to do and how they want to do it and you know may, maybe we don't have to change the ambition but just change the how how do we want to do it situation I think so. And I I agree with you totally on all of that. Um, And what I have found is that most horses, the vast majority, even the ones that are troublemakers or, you know, difficult problems, horses, even they really want to cooperate with human beings. Um, They have tremendous generosity. If we really think about what we ask these horses to do all of the time, I mean, we're, we're basically, we're asking a prey brain to subject itself to predators who for 56 million years of the evolution were its greatest enemy. We, we were the horse's killers for a very long time. And Prey brains know that the only way, the only it's very easy for an animal with a prey brain to identify an animal who is a predator, and the easiest way is simply by one glance at the predator's face and eyes, because one of the hallmarks of a predator animal is that they have frontal facing eyes. So the moment that a horse looks at a human face his brain is going to trigger him to recognize that there is some inherent danger here. 
and that he needs to be careful and perhaps skittish so that he can get away if he needs to. Um, And I think too often we really forget that we're dealing with two very different categories of animals. Um, It's not to say that horses, that every horse right now is living as a prey animal. I completely realize that many horses live in very um, safe stalls in gorgeous barns. <laughs> and, yeah, and, you know, they're, they've, they're got comfortable, they've got a comfortable situation, right? As yeah, long they're, as they... they're very unlikely to be attacked by a lion in the middle of the night out on the right. savannah. Um, and it's and the same is true for us. I mean, I certainly hope that very, very few humans actually live and function as predators today. But the fact is that evolution lags behind the present day. So our brains are still predator brains, even if we humans don't function as predators ourselves today. Um, our brains were designed a long, long time ago for a very different environment. And yeah, the and, same and, is true. And thousands, for yeah, thousands of years of evolution. You can't undo, you know, in, in a couple of generations of living in a house and going to the supermarket. Exactly. That's and, it. And for the horse, we're talking yeah, about horse, literally yeah. 56 million years of evolution. So we're that's, not going to uh, undo that's a, that that's, overnight. That's uh, quite a few years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is, um, but but it's fantastic that that they do let let us ride them. I, I always marvel at that every day. Is like, oh, you know, you, you, so much. The the horse is skilled with so so much speed, you know, flight and ability yeah. to fight or flight, and they don't. They they just allow us to tack them up and you know ride them around right. in circles for forty five minutes and, a, and all of that. So. It's amazing, they are marvelous animals, and and yeah, we can really really appreciate them for that. Um, I'm really yeah. looking forward to reading your book because I think if I can get any any insights that I didn't have before reading the book, I think uh, you know I'll be better off, and and I'll I'll have more tools to uh, approach uh, you know different problems and and uh, and different horses. So I thank you I for hope writing you'll it. I find it helpful. Yeah, I thank you for writing it, and I think every everybody whether they're a professional trainer or just a rider needs to have access to at least, you know, the, the science reason behind, uh, you know, behind training a horse and, and, and how to get your horse better trained, more, more cooperative. So that that's fantastic. Yeah. If anyone wants to know more about you or, or how to get the book, where to get the book, how do we, how do they do that? Well, in order to get the book, one of the things that they can do is go straight to the publisher's outlet. Uh, my publisher is Trafalgar Square Books, and they have a website where they sell all of their books. It's called horseandriderbooks.com. And um, people can buy the book there. It's also available through uh, any retail store or online bookseller around the whole world. This book has been translated into seven languages so far, and it's coming out in audiobook format in about two weeks, I think. Oh, fantastic. So, um, so yeah, yeah I mean, if, very soon. If, if people don't have the time to sit down and read, um, that's going to be yeah, no they problem. They can, uh, they can download and uh, and you know maybe listen to it on the way to the barn, something like that. 
absolutely. Yes, absolutely. So um, it's available in those different ways. And then if they want to learn more about me, my website is janet-jones.com. And um, I have a Facebook page also that is probably more up to date usually than the website is, um, just in terms of, you know, daily activities and, and things that I'm doing with respect to this book. And they can get to the Facebook page from the website. There's a link right there. Uh, I also have two blogs. One of them is about using brain-based horsemanship to train a young horse. And it is based on my own young horse, who's called True North. And so I call the blog True Training. Fantastic. Um, yeah, and then the, and then I also have an online column uh, with the magazine Psychology Today, and I write articles for them that are intended more for a general audience of people who are interested in horses but maybe don't know very much about them. So, um, so I hope people will have a look and see what they think. Um, stop in on the website and. You can get to know more. There's all kinds of information on there, um, links to interviews. There are reviews, lots of reviews of the book on the website. Um, and then uh, Amazon has, um, gosh, I'm not sure how many right now. I think Amazon has over 800 reviews uh, right now and um, a 4.5-star rating even with 800 ratings. So it's, um, it's done really well and it's been very satisfying. And I hope that some of your listeners will, will find the work to be interesting. Fantastic. Thank you so much for all of your time that you, uh, that you gave to us today, Janet. I hope people check out the book. We're going to be featuring it uh, with a listener. So uh, look out for that interview, probably coming in January. Yeah. Great. Great. Okay, well, thank you so much. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Well, everybody had a favorite morning drive show in the days we all listened to radio. They were goofy, funny, and entertaining. You can have that again, only this time it focuses on life with horses. We are here every weekday on your podcast player. Search for Horses in the Morning and come join us. We are a little goofy, hopefully funny and entertaining, and you might learn something along the way, too. We are the world's leading daily podcast about horses since 2010, with over 2,600 episodes for you to binge on. Subscribe today. What are you waiting for? Pull your phone out of your pocket, blow off the hay, and subscribe to Horses in the Morning. As a listener of the show, you might have heard us talk about Ride IQ. Ride IQ is a new concept for equestrian, and it presents a really cool opportunity. The opportunity for you to take a lesson with a top coach anytime you'd like. Here's how it works. Ride IQ is a mobile app for iPhone and Android with hundreds of on-demand listen-while-you-ride audio lessons taught by top coaches across dressage, eventing, even the natural horsemanship, and sports psychology. In fact, I'm one of the coaches you can take lessons with with Ride IQ if you're not already tired of my voice. Whether you're looking to add structure to your rides, try new exercises, or build confidence, Ride IQ can help. With Ride IQ, you won't be waiting for your in-person lessons to make progress. 
You can make exceptionally productive rides on training days as well. Every membership automatically includes a two-week free trial. After that, membership is just $29.99 per month. Because you're a Dressage Radio Show listener, you'll get $15 off your first payment after the free trial. Just go to rideiq.com to sign up and use the code DRS to get your discount. That's rideiq.com and promo code DRS to start having the most productive schooling rides you've ever had. Well, tonight we are so excited to have Wendy Murdoch on the show. Wendy, welcome back. Where in the world is Wendy? Oh, oh well, like Wendy, oh, it's okay. It's, in a, you know, we're getting back to that next year. It's definitely going to be where in the world is Wendy. Because um, <laughs> things are starting to like roll again. So we are currently in Texas. We are on our way. Brad, my husband, and I are on the way to AAEP. That's the American Association of Equine Practitioners Annual Convention in San Antonio. Woohoo! Oh my gosh, it's probably warmer there than where I am. Um, no, it is forty-seven <laughs> degrees right now. Okay, it's forty-seven degrees. <laughs> um, so, so the Texans are all looking like chili burgers. Okay. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> this is Bill would laugh. Forty-seven. They're, yeah, they're just, they're wearing their winter hats. Yeah, yeah I'd wear yeah. my winter hat at forty-seven. I'm with them. Yeah. So, so, uh, we are driving to AEP in San, it's in San Antonio. And when it's in San Antonio, it's always before Thanksgiving. Normally it's the first weekend in December, but of course it's San Antonio. So it's before Thanksgiving. So we are heading down and we're going to have a booth with both Hay Soaker and Surefoot. Cause like the vets are figuring out Surefoot. They, they are recommending it to their customer clients. They are using it in rehab um, they're starting to do research. It's really exciting the things that are happening with Surefoot and um, how the vets are embracing um, the whole idea of proprioceptive rehab. And, uh, you know, I keep talking about prehab, like let's do this before the horse has a problem so that you yes. can avoid problems. So I'm really excited and looking forward to talking to all these vets. So this is going to be our, it's our third in person. We'll see, we did uh, Denver. And we did the virtual, and then we did Music City last year. And so this will be our fourth AAEP that we'll be at. That is so cool. So tell us, Wendy, um, you are in booth 6054 and 6056. So tell us if people can send their vets to come see you, right? Yeah, yeah. So so we have two booths. The Hay Soaker is 6054 and Surefoot is 6056. Six, but they're right next to each other. So you, you know, if you find one, you're going to find the other. And, and we're right doing... by the food. Just, just, yes. just so you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Phil looked it up. Thanks. You're yeah, right yeah, by the food. That's actually a really good idea. Me, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> It's always a good place to be near the food, right? Yeah, it's um, smart, yeah food actually. or bathroom. That's that's the two places people yes. you get the most traffic. Or I the think. coffee, or the coffee station. The coffee. I mean, all yeah, of those well, are good idea. Coffee stations in different places. So we're really excited because um, this time what we're doing is we're doing some giveaways for the vets, and we're doing a giveaway for people whose vets are there. So let me kind of tell you about this. So for the veterinarians. For hay soaker, we're giving away a hay probe because, you know, if you know what the sugar level is in your hay, you'll know whether or not you need to soak it. So a hay probe is something you insert into your bales of hay or your round bales, and you send that hay off for analysis, and then they can come back and tell you what the soluble sugars are. And so so then you know where your hay is and, you know, if you need to soak it. So that's for the vets. And the other thing that we're giving away is the comfort x-ray blocks for the vets because horses hate wood blocks. They don't like standing on wood blocks. So we've made 
the comfort x-ray blocks out of our materials, which is harder than any of the Surefoot pads, which it needs to be because you don't want it to deform. Um, but it's it works great because the horses like standing on it because it has just a little bit of grip. So those this are the giveaways. This is cool. Is this a new one, Winnie? I didn't um, know of this product. It. We've had it for a while, but I, I don't talk about it on your show because it's kind of like something for radiographs. So it's more so for the vets, cool. but you know, I'm sure yeah. that, yeah, you have vets that listen and we've actually sent some up to Guelph to the university up there and some different places. It's really interesting who finds us. Um, but we're also doing something really special for all your listeners. So if your listeners tell their vet, if they have come to AEP, and not all vets are going to be there, obviously, but a lot of them go. I mean, it's a big convention. Um, if they come by our booth and tell us that they were sent by their client, right? So if you tell your vet, go to our booth, we will give them a pair of lookup glasses for you. I so, love it. You know, so you can, you, you all, you listeners, just tell your vets, go to booth. 6054 or 6056 doesn't matter which one we're gonna have a big basket of lookup glasses and if they come by and say you know my client sent me over here we'll give them lookup glasses just for you so we're really excited about that it's, it's and they are great i they're yeah. in my bag of fun yes and last last aap i went around and i um had some with me and i went and i asked what vets like um road and then, I, and then I handed them a pair of glasses. So it was like, um, it was fun to walk around all the trade show and, and give look out, look up glasses to riders. Um, the other thing I'm going to do is because, you know, most horse people actually don't know much about the convention AEP and what all happens there. So at least in the trade booth area, what I'm going to do is some Facebook live and I'll wander around and I'll go to some of the different booths and I'll do that on Facebook on the Murdoch method page. So stay tuned on Let's see, it's Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I might do something tomorrow after we get set up. Oh, I'll I'm do doing this. Facebook so Lives because there's so much cool stuff there. I mean, there's like, you know, this is where your vet goes and learns about new technology. And there's there's presentations and there's a bunch of presentations. Um, you know, I'm going to go and listen in on because I can do that as an exhibitor. And just, you know, it's just a place where... You know, vets gather, and of course, it's in Texas, and there's the River Walk-Up, which I haven't been to, but everybody tells me it's fabulous. And so, um, you know, the Horse Magazine is there, and I usually go over and yak with them, so I'll see if I can't do a little Facebook Live with them. And I'll just cruise around and, and do something so that people can see what it's like at the, the AAP conventions. That oh, and then, so cool. And I have one other really exciting thing. You know, I keep, uh, I don't think we mentioned it on your show last time. We are giving away a hay soaker. And what? anybody can enter. Um, How do we enter? So you've got to go to the, the Murdoch Method Facebook page. Okay? okay. And the instructions are there. Um, you have to like and share the post. And you have to send me an email and tell me why you need a hay soaker. Right? Like, you okay. got to tell me about your horse. And, um, and uh, there's a question. Okay? And, the, and there's a question that you have to answer. Um, because we've gotten our new website for the hay soaker. Finally, it's the hay soaker. Don't put in hay soaker because it won't come up. It's T-H-E-H-A-Y-S-O-A-K-E-R.com. But if you go to the hay soaker.com, one, one of the answers to the questions is on that site. So like and share, send us an email, go to the website, figure out. And, you know, that's, I mean, it's a $1,600 item we are giving away. That's so, awesome. you know, we are really excited about our hay soakers. We are getting uh, just people are loving it. They're like, um, um, 
so excited because it makes things so much. It's like having an extra person in your barn. You don't have to spend all that time soaking hay anymore. You know, you're not sitting there with a muck bucket soaking wet and, you know, trying to submerge it because you just set it and forget it. It's got a timer, does everything, saves water. We have one barn where they're saving, saving what costs of water using the hay soaker versus how they were soaking hay before. So if you're paying for water, yeah, you know, not everybody does. But if you are, that's another reason. Well, and let's be real, if, you know, depending on where in the country you are, uh, that's a huge deal. That is so yeah. cool. That is yeah. awesome. So, awesome. so we're just, you know, like lots of great things are going on. <laughs> it's been a busy month. <laughs> yeah, we love it. We love it. Cause Philip and I, and I are always like, gosh, I'm tired after talking to Wendy, but that is really <laughs> amazing. We, we only, yeah, we only talk to you and then, and you're actually out there, you know, pro- promoting these things and, uh, educating people and, and doing cleansing, doing so much. Um, Trying. And yeah. I just have to say that the, the hay soaker is the entries are continental USA only. So we are not, uh, not shipping it outside of the continental. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I was, it's, I was halfway oh, on. Oh, like on oh, hey, Phil, you could put a U.S. address in, right? You could just say, you know, care of Reese. <laughs> and you take it there, <laughs> and you can get it when you come and visit her. And yeah. here, and that makes him come and visit, which we always we always try to encourage. So I love yeah. it. Well, Wendy, we hope you have an amazing convention. I hope I get to see you in a few weeks on your way back after yep. the holidays. And uh, but, how can everybody find you online? Watch everything. Just just give us all the things. Okay, so to enter into the hay soaker free giveaway, and by the way, that entry ends. Very soon, because we're going to be drawing the uh, winner at AEP, um, cool. and we're going to be doing a Facebook Live on the Monday announcing the winner. So you got to get your entry in ASAP for that one, um, and you go to the Murdoch Method Facebook page to enter, um, and then you're going to tell your vet, go to booth 6054 or 6056, we're right mm-hmm. next door to each other, um, so that you can get your free pair of lookup glasses. They just need to come over to our booth. When they do that, they can, the vet can enter for the two free giveaways, the probe and the um, pair of comfort x-ray blocks. And we give them a pair, pair of lookup glasses if they tell us that you sent them. So um, cool. Yeah. And so you can find us, you know, if you're interested in looking at the lookup glasses, you can go to murdochmethod.com. They're in the shop under Riders Aids, you know, of course, on Facebook. And now we have the haysoaker.com website. So if you want to learn more about our way cool hay soaker, you can go there. We have a brand new backdrop for the for the uh, booth. I'm so excited. It's like wow. we worked so hard on it. It's awesome. So I will be posting pictures of that on Facebook on the Murdoch Method page. So stay tuned. I love it. Well, Wendy, as always, thank you so much for your time. And uh, we can't wait to see how things go. It's so it's cool. great to talk to you guys. Thanks so well, much. Safe travels, my friend. Bye. Today's tip from Ride IQ is with Peter Gray. He is a Canadian inventor and dressage judge, and he's going to talk all about the warm up before you do your test. So the first thing I would start with is what I commented on the dressage reviews that we did for Ride IQ, that your warm up, no matter what level of competition, whether it's five star, Petoni, or beginner office, the warm up for me is categorized into three areas. One relax your horse, two, get him supple, which is the ability to bend, 
And number three, get them in front of the eight. So going forward from the leg and coming back from the half halt. And then after that, if there's any uh, movements that you feel you're a little bit rusty with and would just like to remind your horse before you go into the ring, uh, you could do a couple of those. But I see way too much drilling of the horse in the warm-up. It's, you've already done your education at home over the final week, months, and years leading up to this moment. So you're not going to, you know, train him any to teach him anything else on that final warm up. So I think, you know, always remember to, to break it down to those three areas because that's what the judge wants to see a supple horse, a relaxed horse. I think the last 10 minutes is some, is an area where riders need to really think about how best to prepare their horse from leaving the warm up area to going to the competition arena as far as this mental de- demeanor goes, all horses need to be relaxed. The, the, the horses um, that are tense, maybe you want to uh, just ease off in the final 10 minutes, uh, maybe stand still, maybe walk, uh, maybe do some stretching long and low. But I see far too many horses that come into the arena in a complete lather, uh, absolutely on a tight rein being restricted, uh, so it's just an indication of that final warm up. Really, they didn't really understand their, perf- they're getting ready for their performance on the stage. And I think people need to think about that more rather than, um, overtraining their horse, overtraining. Then comes the question of what are we going to do going around the ring? I, as I said on the ride IQ, um, facade reviews, show the judge something you can do, not what you can't do. Uh, in other words, if your horse has a four-beat canter, maybe choose to trot going around the ring. Um, it is interesting to see in the last year some of the things I've experienced at high-level competitions, what riders do going around the ring. And although many times I've got my head down doing the final comments for the previous rider, and we're not supposed to prejudge as they go around the ring and create form ideas of what we're going to give uh, for that entrance. We're all done with our previous test. You can't help but look up and watch what the rider's doing. And it's quite interesting. Um, just last weekend at Great Meadows, Lauren Kiefer on both of her horses um, did her canter work around the ring. And then she did a circle up at A and just gave the reins for three or four strides and let the horse stretch down and forward and relax his back. I thought, wow, I've never seen that. What a great thing to do. I'm look, always looking for riders that really understand horsemanship and what it is they're trying to achieve when they canter down the center line. In the last couple of years, Boyd Martin has improved the quality of Tetsu Lake's canter. Amazing. But it was a little bit four-beat before, and he would trot around the ring, because that's a very attractive key on, on uh, Thomas, and then he would pick up the canter at the end of the arena to when the whistle had gone and he would do a 12 meter training pirouette in canter because in the, in the training pirouette, Thomas is a very good three beat canter. That four beat canter didn't come through. It got him a little bit more uphill. So the judge is looking at that canter as he's preparing to come down the center line and already getting an idea of the quality of that canter. So again, a very clever, I think, exercise to do. Ingrid Klimkett, the test event in May, 
on, on a fabulous mare called Sienna, has such an extravagant tr- extended trot. So guess what she did going around the ring? She did her extended trot. So uh, it's sort of a bit of a breathtaking sight before she's even gone in the ring. So you're just ready to hit that 10 when the extended trot movement uh, comes up. I've worked with Caroline Martin a bit with Captain Jack. He's an older gray horse and gets very, very ongoing and strong in the canter work. So up at the A end of the ring, we would do all the warm-up and trot and a bit of walking and then do a turn on the forehand right up by the letter A and then from the turn on the forehand go straight into canter right down the center line. And that would just be little enough canter that he would keep the self-carriage and keep mentally uh, fairly relaxed. Uh, Years ago, David O'Connor at Bromont, where the competition arena can be fairly electric, his horse got tight in the back and you've got to do something going around the ring to get them loose. He went rising top, stretched it in a low frame. Whatever it takes to get the horse ready to, to perform to his maximum when you enter the ring is what riders need to do going around the ring. Well, as always, everyone, we love your email and Facebook shout outs. Keep them coming. And uh, I have to thank everyone who were listeners of the show who came up at finals to say hi. I love it. I really, truly, it just makes me smile. Um, I had, oh gosh, I had about 20 of you guys come up, which was awesome. And uh, keep it coming. And especially come and visit us at, at, a fine, at a, sorry convention that's happening. Just a reminder, our Book Club Book of the Month by Janet Jones is Horse Brain, Human Brain, The Neuroscience of Horsemanship. And we're thrilled to be having it. And uh, as we're all getting ready for the holidays, it'll be fun. As always, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is probably through Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week for allowing us to put on a good show. That's Kentucky Performance Products, Ride IQ, and the Murdoch Method. If you'd like to support our show and the Horse Radio Network, you can do that through the auditor program found at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we will talk to you in a few weeks. 